Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Own the Microphone. I am with Carrie Addington today, and she and I have just been talking up a storm and laughing up a storm and trying to figure out a strategy for not talking over each other. Let's hope we put some kind of mindfulness in that area during the course of this conversation so we don't talk over each other too much, too much. Carrie, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for the invitation, Bridget. Uh, just to share space and talk over you. Yeah, that's a great time. <laughs> no, I think it's we're both very excited about the topic and I'm thrilled to be here and share the space and time. So speaking of being excited about the topic, yeah. public speaking and presentation yeah. skills, that sounds a little different to the average person. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Carrie, What gets you so pumped about the idea of training and speaking and facilitating and just getting up there and owning the microphone? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's rooted in the connection that I'm making with the people I'm sharing the space with. So that's my initial motivation. But then when you ask that question about getting up and and owning the microphone, uh, it really doesn't feel like there's another option to get up and be a little cautious or shy. Uh, I know I am not going to connect in the same way. So it, it is not an option to show up and be timid or be worried. Now to be nervous, that is always happening for sure. Uh, but I really just share that perspective of if I can connect with one individual in this room, and give them the gift of this conversation and this mindset and have them head into wherever they're headed next with something gained, I'm okay. That's building my confidence. When you said there isn't another option, all Mm -hmm. kinds of bells were going off in my head (laughs) because I like telling people, you have a couple of options. You can show up, show out and be amazing and be memorable or the alternative. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could remember exactly how I put it. I I think I put it in, oh, the book show up and show out. I think that's where I put it. Like I use alliteration and I make it really jazzy, but you have two options. You can be unforgettable and amazing or nah and completely forgettable. For those of us who, oh, it, it feels incredibly scary or just this insurmountable obstacle to show up and be amazing. What's one strategy, one something that you do either on a daily basis, right before you you present or whenever? What's some trick, tip, strategy Mm -hmm. that you have that makes it, I'm not going to say easy, but just makes it automatic for you to say, I'm getting up here and I'm owning it. There's no other option. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, It's really about, so this is a little structured approach that I have that allows me to step behind the microphone or in front of the group and really just own it. 
because for me, there is no other option. If I am too timid, there's probably a really underlying reason as to why I shouldn't be taking that speaking opportunity. So mm. preparing myself, what I do in my approach, um, I've kind of honed it over time and really crafted it with a lot of intentionality. I have a list of characteristics that I've identified about my own speaking style. So how do I wanna show up and how do I wanna be remembered? I have that list of characteristics front and center. And right beside that is my why. So why am I even speaking in the first place? And as long as I have those really clearly defined for myself and always guiding me, I am going to step into an opportunity where I'm owning the microphone because I'm only speaking about topics I'm extremely passionate about. I'm only speaking about topics where I have true thought leadership to share. I am only speaking if everything is aligning. And if it's not, I am completely okay with saying no. Have a checklist, everybody. Bottom line, just because mm -hmm. someone approaches you and says, hey, you should speak on this. And even people who have a quote unquote gift of gab, that doesn't mean when a microphone is shoved in your face that you should get on it. Have a checklist. And if it doesn't check the box of this is a topic about which I am passionate, this is a topic about which I know a fairly good amount of information and I can speak <laughs> in an intelligent way about it. If this is not going to put me in a position, let's, let's, let's forget about the topic. If this speaking opportunity is not going to put me in a position where I will be remembered the mm -hmm. way I want to be remembered, then maybe it's a no. For instance, mm -hmm. I've tried emceeing, if you will, or being, I remember I was, I was asked one time to do something at a networking event and it just wasn't my jam, but mm. I said, I'll give it a try, right? I, I appreciated the fact that they, the organization thought of me mm -hmm. and, and reached out asking me to do this. So I said, it, I knew deep down inside it wasn't my thing, but mm. I needed to give it a whirl in order to know for sure it wasn't my thing. And now you know for sure. <laughs> and now I know for sure. Now, did I make sure that I did some things that did make me memorable in the right way? Yes. Did I put on a smile the entire time? Yes. Did I make sure that it was about everybody else, that the story was turned on them and the spotlight was turned on them? Yes. And was it okay? I mean, was it a pretty good event? Yeah. Everybody seemed yeah. happy. But at the same time, I said to myself, mm -mm, this doesn't check the box for me. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is my, not my jam. And yeah. so as you're going into a speaking engagement, in order to make sure you're able to get up there and automatically own the microphone and feel confident in owning it, make sure you're checking the boxes before you say yes, or make sure that that speaking opportunity is checking the boxes for you before you say yes. Mm. Yeah. And you sometimes learn that the hard way, right? I mean, I, I didn't come up with that magically. That strategy came out of what not to do. It's similar to you. I had that experience and it was, we need you to speak at this global conference. Here's your topic. Here's the outcome. Here's essentially the topics we want you to cover. 
And while I was credible enough to perform and deliver information, I wasn't passionate about the topic. And what ended up happening was, to your point, yes, we, we can speak and we can own the microphone and we can make it happen, but we don't feel as if we are bringing our true selves, which is limiting how much we own that microphone. And so it's really thinking of, did I have impact on that day? Probably not. Did I deliver information? Absolutely. So it's it's really about what's your why and impact is part of my why. So that was a miss for me. You delivered information, but not a transformation. And Absolutely. When, when you are a speaker who wants to do great things, I'm not saying be a great speaker, but be a speaker who does great things, that great, those great things include delivering impact, creating a transformation with the information that you provide. Topics on which you speak, Carrie, where you're able to bring about that transformation and that impact? That's a great question. So one of the topics that I love speaking about is regarding facilitation skills. And I speak on overcoming challenging classroom behaviors, which is a very sensitive, hot button topic in the industry. And I really came to that from a passionate perspective, because what I was seeing in the field was research that said managing the problem participant or managing the pesky participant and the viewpoint was a semantic challenge for me, really. I didn't like this word of managing, and I didn't like the responsibility it was assigning to the individual person. So I thought, okay, we have an opportunity to think about this differently and in a way that will allow us to actually make change and overcome a challenging behavior as opposed to manage one. And that is more of an inclusive perspective of how do I really move beyond the behavior that's presented and keep the learning experience on track and also really examine what I as a facilitator am bringing to that. So what bias and what uh, narrative am I bringing to a specific behavior when it arises that causes even more friction in that, in that learning experience. So that's something I'm passionate about. And it's, it's one where, you know, it's, it's just getting people to think a little bit differently about a very common topic. This is why we are friends, Carrie. That <laughs> the difficult audience member, I'm telling you, that was one of my favorite topics on which to present when yeah. I would do a lot of work at colleges and universities mm-hmm. and I would do faculty development workshops and webinars. And the number, maybe not the number one, yeah, I would say probably number one requested topic was quote unquote dealing with difficult students or managing difficult audience members. And I felt the exact same way. There is no way you can control, you can manage anybody out there in that audience. But what you can do is manage your response to whatever is happening and manifesting itself in that quote unquote difficult audience member. And when you see a difficult audience member, bear in mind, it may not be you. Maybe that person has something going on at home. Maybe there was some crazy email he or she received before, right before coming into your session. Maybe that person, oh, let me tell you, Carrie. Maybe that person, oh, let me tell you the story. Maybe that person received some bad news right before going to your session. I'll never forget being out in California, maybe the year 2012 or so, 11 or 12. 
Mm-hmm. I was there with a colleague. He and I were doing, were presenting concurrent sessions at this faculty development conference that this college was putting on for both faculty and staff, I believe. And so he was running a session down the hallway and then I was running a session. But before the faculty and staff came up to our sessions, there was a plenary session. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know, we don't know what the topic is, what have you. I'm doing my session and, and the energy is off. The vibe is off. I don't have difficult audience members, if you will, but they're not picking up what I'm putting down mm-hmm. as I'm accustomed mm-hmm. to. And so I, I'm, I'm checking myself. I'm thinking, okay, let me go through this, Bridget, because either they don't like you, they don't like the content, or they don't like the way in which it's being delivered. Those are the three things that's happening. When you, whenever, yeah. whenever you see a, uh, an, a difficult audience member, they don't like you. They don't like the content. They don't like the way in which it's being delivered. Or number four, there's something else going on that has absolutely nothing to do with you or your session. So anyway, I get them involved in an activity, Carrie. As you know, I, I, I tend to do with myself, yes. <laughs> right? Right. I, I'll have you walk in. I'll have Never you too many activities. <laughs> jumping. So I get them involved in maybe a think pair share or something. And mm-hmm. I go down the hallway and I ask my colleague, Damon, uh, how's your, how's your session going? You know, just, you know, very mm-hmm. nonchalant. Hey, I don't have the nervous look in my eyes or anything. How's, how's your session going? He's like, man, B, I, you know, uh, something feels a little off. I don't know if it's me or what's up. I said, huh? I said, listen, it's not you just very quickly. It's not you. I just want to run and check on you. We'll talk later. Keep up mm-hmm. the great job. Okay. And so come to find out, and I don't remember exactly how I found this out. I think after the session or maybe even during the session in that plenary session, the college president or the CFO or someone had given them all of this news of these changes. Uh, Schedules were going to change. Uh, There was not going to be any raises and something else, you know, maybe Mm. even a cut and pay or something, but it was a kind of new. and, And then they wrapped it up with now go forth and enjoy the conference. (laughs) always a solid delivery of a message yes (laughs) super motivating right so whenever you have a difficult audience member Mm -hmm. number one if you've prepared well you know your content uh all you can do is manage your reaction to it and if you have someone who is asking you crazy questions just to derail you tell them that's a fantastic question in the interest of time let's you and I talk offline you make sure you get in touch with me after the session is done and we'll have a conversation either in person or via an email but I want to make sure I'm I'm respectful of time there's a million ways to quote unquote handle that situation and it always starts with your response to it don't try to manage somebody else's behaviors yeah and the shift there right just to take that and filter it down. The shift there in mindset is really about moving from, I need to solve the problem that's in front of me to how can I show up in service of everyone here and help this person overcome whatever it is that is causing this distraction to take place. It's it's challenging to make that shift in your mind, but once you do, it is so impactful And it just starts to become quite magical and the journey that the learner can take once you help them take it. Everybody, as you can tell, 
<laughs> Carrie is a true teacher at heart, a true facilitator at heart when it comes to presentation skills. Carrie Addington is a manager uh, at, for facilitator development and strategy at the Association for Talent Development. And uh, ATD has an annual conference every year. I absolutely love it. Uh, I fell in love when I was a participant, mm. ooh, maybe back in 2000. 10 or 11, uh, Stedman Graham was at the conference. I got to meet him, even took a picture. Oh, wow. of him. Right, right. So he looks like he's double my height. Way, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> so the person who took the picture at the back way up in order to get both of our heads in the frame. But yeah. I still... <laughs> <laughs> and it was in Denver, Colorado. I fell in love with ATD then. Mm-hmm. I even remember what I was wearing. I have this weird memory like that. At any rate, uh, Carrie is also a Gallup certified strengths coach. And I'm, I love strengths quest. Yeah. It's my thing. It's my jam. Carrie's yeah. a down to earth facilitator with a passion for delivering effective communication solutions with a spirited energy. She has delivered globally on topics ranging from leadership and resolving conflict to overcoming challenging behaviors and daring facilitation. Mm-hmm. Carrie is passionate about using her, her love of language and the arts to work with individuals on establishing deeper connections with their daily work. Carrie, tell me about a time. I already told you about a time where I had yeah. some crazy presentation and I'm sitting there scratching my head trying to figure out what's going on. Tell me about a time where either you made a misstep or and or and it was through no fault of your own or you just had a situation where you said, huh, I didn't see that coming. And how did you rebound, redirect and go forward? Yeah, great question. You know, I think the thing I did initially that was a bit of a misstep was I really focused in the beginning on how can I curate all the information that's out there, all the checklists, all the best practices, all the top 10 lists, all the, you know, characteristics of effective speakers, and then how can I model that? And so naturally, as you can guess, what happened was that very first experience felt very mechanical and very um, orchestrated. I had orchestrated the intuition right out of it by over planning, by saying, I'm going to be all these things that other people have deemed to be great in the eyes of a public speaker, and I will do that. And, and really what I was doing was I was executing on someone else's why. I was showing up as everything other than who I actually was. So my, my goal of being real and being service-minded and, and you know, speaking with integrity, all of those things were compromised in that process. So if anything, I think what I would redo in that moment is I'd still do that work. I'd still do the research and I'd still, I'd still find all those lists and I'd, I'd absorb them and consider them. And then I would think of what it means to me and spend some real time being intentional about why I'm even getting behind the microphone so that I can center everything around that. That word why just keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. Why why are you getting on the microphone? Why are you doing this? What just what is your what is your purpose behind it? Yeah. it and and I can't I cannot stress it enough. It's it's mm-hmm. not it's not good enough to just kind of get up there and wing it. It's not it's not fair to you and it's not fair you fair to your audience. Definitely not fair to them, right? And and 
you're not fulfilling yourself in that way either. So no one wins in that scenario. And that approach of like really defining your why, that can be applied to anything, right? That can be applied to leadership or management or, you know, public speaking or even facilitation. So that that time spent to really be clear and intentional with what you're doing uh, is a game changer. It'll, it'll lead to more impact. Now, were you always comfortable, confident, ready to jump on a microphone and, and you always knew your why? Was this just your thing? Were you like- Bridget, me? listen, <laughs> as a small girl in Indiana, I used to make people announce me. So when I came down the stairs, oh yes, I had the introduction. I didn't need to do anything when I came down the stairs. I just needed the introduction. So I've always loved a stage that doesn't- uh, that doesn't necessarily scare me, but at the same time, I can also say I have never been more nervous than when I did my first public speaking engagement. I was rattled to my core about uh, the expectation and living up to what I had promised and, and really executing in a way that still aligned with what I wanted to achieve on behalf of those that were in the room with me. And so I had a lot of confidence and at the same time, I didn't. And so it was really about, okay, take those nerves and really apply them and what do you need to do? And specifically what that looked like is I am a, a one-on-one connect with people person. And so I'm in this very large room with hundreds of people and thinking, I can't connect with anyone. And then I thought, well, yes, you absolutely can. Walk around, shake hands, talk to people, uh, look them in the eye, find out why they're there, uh, really start to make this feel like a more intimate conversation before it even begins. And so that's just whatever you need to make yourself show up uh, in service of the people who are sharing space with you, then do that. Think about strategy that I love telling people to Mm -hmm. always put in place when you said, look people the eyes or look a person in the eyes. And the strategy I like telling people is a daily practice So when you do get ready to have a presentation, you have been putting in place on a daily basis, these regular strategies that build your confidence. So when you get on the microphone, it's nothing, it's nothing, Mm -hmm. it's nothing to you. And so one of those strategies has to do with making everything you say a presentation. And part of making everything you say a presentation is looking that cashier in the eyes at the grocery store, looking that clerk in the eyes at the post office, looking that teller in the eyes at the bank and being very intentional about everything you say and making that person feel like he or she is the most important person on the planet right here, right now. Taking an interest in that person. Hey, Betty, how's your day going? Oh, what mm-hmm. about this weather? Hey, Tom, uh, you know, are, it's, it's almost uh, 5 p.m. I know you're ready to wrap things up. Yeah. You plan on doing something cool this weekend? And, um, you know, Betty and Tom are these clerks and these grocery store workers that I'm envisioning here. Yeah. Making every person feel so freaking important. Yeah, so- that their story matters, right? Yes. Even if I don't get to hear their whole story, their story does matter in that space. Yes. And it, it just, it's something about doing that. And I need to look and see if there's some kind of psychology behind it or what, but just making every person, I don't, even the school crossing guard, Mm -hmm. making every person feel 
as you go on a walk or you go on a jog, bike ride, if, just a brief looking in the eyes and a smile and saying hello or good morning. Right. And I know, uh, depending on the time of year and where you are, you may have a mask on so nobody can right. see the smile necessarily, but they can see it in your eyes. They right? can see your eyes. That's all they can see. It becomes right. that much more important. Yeah. It's the right. practice of that connection. And when you said that, it reminded me of one of the tips I give to all my facilitators who are trying to establish that confidence and are really looking for almost like, how do I buy the confidence I need to be confident? Um, it's really thinking of, I always say, you know, work on establishing confidence in your interactions and connections with people in multiple facets of your life. So find the people and the circles where you are your truest self, whether that's in your family and friendship circles or your community organizations or whatever you're doing and really become a student of how you're showing up most authentically in those spaces and what can be carried over into building that style for your speaking, right? If you, perhaps you show up most authentically when you're using humor or when you're asking questions, that's, that is feedback for you to think about how to more intentionally define what your style is going to be. Then I need to be doing a lot of questioning techniques if that's where I come alive, because that will benefit the others in the room. Right. And then for introverts who feel like, oh, this sounds overwhelming. Oh, this sounds like too much. Turn it on when you need to turn it on. Think about if you're hosting a dinner party and I get it. If you're an introvert, you're not hosting a dinner party (laughs) at your home. But I'm just saying, or if you have to go somewhere and represent your company. You, you, you turn it on, you, you, you give the charm, you give the charisma, you give the energy when you must, and then you turn it off. I know for me, people, people are so mistaken thinking that I am lights, camera, action, bring it 24 seven, because that's what they see on a stage. Yep. But that's what I'm being paid to give you on a stage is 100% Bridget. Right. And when I'm done. You are crashed on the floor. I'm telling you. (laughs) Same. Yeah. So you bring it when it matters. And when it matters is when you have people looking to you to make a difference in their lives, to give them something that's going to help them wake up and say, okay, I can do this. Okay. I've got this. And once you've done that, then you can turn it on. And let me tell you, everybody, I am an introvert, period hands down. Yes. Carrie gets it too. Yep. I am as well. You, you, you do what you have to do when you've got Mm -hmm. to do it. I mean, think about professional athletes. They're not running and jumping and swinging and going on 24 seven, but when they're on the field, when they're on the court, when it Mm -hmm. matters, they're giving you 100%. And that's what I want you to do. Don't worry so much about yourself, but worry about my audience and my audience getting something from these words. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, the the traditional kind of narrative around public speaking is that all eyes are on you, right? That you're the center of attention and, you know, scan the room and all the tips. And that's the narrative that we've been told. But the reality is it's, it's not that like, it's always, you know, turn around and, and change that viewpoint so that you're always focused on who else is in the room. I, if I'm start obsessing over, do I, do I have on the right outfit? And do I feel the right way? And how does my hair look? And is my microphone too weird? I, I've already missed the mark. It, it has 
very little to do with me. I am a vehicle to create a space for that kind of transformation to happen. And worrying about those details, that's where yeah. preparation comes into place. Yeah. The, the outfit should have been picked out days ago, yes. not weeks ago, right? right? The microphone, you know, testing the microphone and testing equipment and everything. That should have been done a long time ago. So all you have to worry about yeah. is making sure you're giving people content that is going to change their lives. Yes. Carrie, if that were, if there was one last tip or strategy or if, Listeners hear nothing else, but mm-hmm. this one thing from you, what would it be? Don't try to be the next someone else, the next Brene Brown, the next Bridget, the next Carrie. Try instead to be the first you. I love how you put you and me in the same category with Brene <laughs> Brown. I, I mean, <laughs> duh. <laughs> but no, you, 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 Carrie's right. Carrie's yeah. right. I mean, there's an absolutely nothing wrong with drawing inspiration from Les Brown absolutely. or Lisa Nichols or Jack Canfield or yeah. whomever you regard as a rock star in the speaking world. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Steady. But then don't get up there and, and try to be a Jack Canfield Jr. or mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, Tony Robbins the second yeah. or what have you. Just be you. And it's easier. It almost reminds me of that phrase. What is it? You, if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. If you, if you right. are yourself, right. And, and that's me. I, I just yeah. I don't remember what I say to whom. So I just kind of have to <laughs> straight all the time. And that's the same thing with speaking. If you are yourself, you don't have to worry about tripping up and not doing it the way Les Brown would have done it. Not saying it the way that so-and-so would have said, mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong there. It's the best first you. The end. Yeah. I, I, the end. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie Addington, you have been an absolute joy and delight to have on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I could go on for hours. So this is a good time. Thank you so much. I I, I could too. That's why I have to to cap it. I have to always look at the clock. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Hopefully we'll see each other at an ATD event one day soon. Soon. (laughs) We'll keep our fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. And everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure until the next time you always own the microphone.